Pain Train Productions presents Arch Rivals Football Season 2. Your starting lineup, Ricky Litwinkowicz, Alex Aldape, Todd Rosenfeld, and Nicholas Russell. Enjoy the show. Alright, welcome everybody to Arch Rivals Season 2. If you're watching on the screen, it's half of the starting lineup for the show tonight. As you can see, opposite me is Nicholas Russell. Yes! Uh, and, and let's throw in that asterisk that in approximately 10, a little under 10 hours, my black ass be on a plane heading towards y'all and I cannot wait. But but it could be weather pending because all of a sudden it starts raining and whatnot. And the last thing I know at O'Hare is a uh excuse me ladies and gentlemen uh 745 flight to New York might be a little bit delayed. Bullshit. Joy ass on that plane so I can leave. <laughs> oh my god. I, I, I swear well, on my life because look I'm pulling an all nighter tonight. And if if I pull this all nighter and I hear one word of delay on my flight, I might get put on the six o'clock news. That's all I'm saying. I I'm not trying to have this flight get delayed. I really don't know if it'll go that far, but I'm pretty sure you'll be on the flight. <laughs> Facts, truth, and he's going to be in studio next week to be shooting here live. With uh, the Arch Rivals crew, the only exception is Alex won't be here. Uh, currently, weather is holding Alex back f from being on the show tonight. So that unfortunately happens. But he lives in Kansas, so they're known for all that weird shit. True. So before we get into some of these articles that we found, let me ask you, did you catch... Any preseason football this weekend? I did. Um, I caught. As a matter of fact, I actually taped the. Uh, I taped the Tampa Pittsburgh game. I saw a little bit of the Arizona. Uh, who did they play? The Chargers, I think, is who they played this week, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I'm gonna tell you what. Everyone's like. Oh man, Kyler Murray looked really great in that game. You know, in the first preseason game, blah blah blah, this and that. But unless I've unless I've gone stupid in the last like week or so, man, I didn't see Kyler Murray throw a pass more than five to ten yards. So show me where Kyler Murray can throw an NFL football down the field, and then let's talk about how good he looked. I mean, yeah, he went five for six. But, man, they were all short passes with yards after the catch. So I don't know how impressed I, I was so much with Kyler Murray as maybe the rest of America. Well, I will tell you, I did catch highlights of some of the games. And I'm sorry. It's preseason football. I understand that. Tampa didn't look great, dude. Who did? I'll be honest. Tampa did not look good. 
Okay, Tampa didn't look good in what sense? Because I okay, could agree so, with you and I could disagree with you here. So I would have to say the four missed attempts at the two point conversions. Okay. That was a pretty big deal. Uh, defensively, they didn't look great. Then again, neither did Pittsburgh. So okay. that was a whole roundabout thing right there. I will agree that there are still some things that the Buccaneers probably need to fix defensively, uh, especially in the secondary. I feel like there was a lot of miscommunication, especially on the one play where it looks like Hargraves got beat. However, the safety made a, did a missed assignment. So I feel like those are little things that, and Bruce Arians has talked about this, where it's the little things that we'll have to work on in practice. But I, and they've been working out a few uh, veteran safeties. So I think them bringing in a veteran safety to really help out the young safeties will really help out. Um, but I will say this. If I was to base on anything, the one thing that was the most important to me was how was Jameis and this first-line offense going to go against the Steelers in the first-line defense. And if I was going to give a grade for that, it was definitely a solid A. Though there was two, if you rewatch that first drive by Tampa, I saw maturity level. And, and I saw that the coaching that the Bucks have done on Jameis Winston has really started to come around. Because in one of those plays where Jameis had to escape the pocket and he had to roll out, the old Jameis with the old coaching regime would have thrown that football to try and force it and make uh, you know a bigger play than taking the six or seven yards. This Jameis with this coaching staff took the six or seven yards, got the first down, you keep the drive going. So I saw improvements there. I saw improvements on the offensive line. I saw improvements with Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones looked really good um, running the football in between the tackles, and so did Peyton Barber. So what I wanted to see and what I got out of it, especially with the offense and how Bruce Arians and Byron left, which – we're going to, uh, you know, gel and make this offense better and make it simpler for Jameis. Solid A, without question. Well, I caught a lot of the highlights from Thursday after we got done with Pipe Bomb. And I was actually pretty shocked. Uh, looking especially at the Pats game, that defense was rampant. Yeah. Really, really all over the ball. And... I, I, they, offensively, they really didn't even need to play. Yeah, and and let me tell you this: the thing that's that's going to be one of the biggest uh, question marks about Detroit going in. Detroit really fixed their defense. They got a lot of guys on that front seven that's really going to be good. The question is, is what can they do defensively? Like, I mean, you know, Matt Patricia, the former defensive coordinator of the New England Patriots, who is now the head coach of Detroit. Okay, he's a defensive-minded guy, but how are you going to unleash Matt Stafford and how are you going to get this offense going? You know, and that's been the big question, and you could see some of those question marks not really being answered in this game because, like you said, offensively, the the um, 
the New England Patriots was good, but defensively, not only were they good, it, 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 it was a lot of them being good, but then you also have to factor in that Detroit offensively may not be that good this year, and they definitely look like crap in the game on a Thursday. Well, I will say I'm going to take preseason as it being preseason. There were a lot of issues throughout the games this weekend, including one of our articles, which I found really, really funny. Chargers were playing the Cardinals this weekend, or Thursday, I believe. Right. And there oh, were Friday. four fouls on one play. Yeah, no, that's crazy. That's crazy. And and the thing is, is, is I'm with you on how you take preseason. Like if you're if you're bragging whether your team won or lost on preseason, that's either your team really sucks or you really just don't watch football. But in the first preseason game, you you always want to take you take your first drive. And then you take everything else with a grain of salt. You know, you're looking at, at okay, maybe this guy could be good. Maybe this guy's not going to be that good. You know, like I said, with, with, with grains of salt. But four fouls on one play in the game against the Cardinals versus Chargers sounds like a lot of people finna get cut because that's inexcusable. But it's still also the same rate. Well, let's kind of not beat that bush pretty bad right preseason obviously your starters don't play anything more than let's say maybe the first quarter right and then you're going to be pretty much looking at like free agents that you signed uh second tier players third tier players rookies etc now from my understanding the giants on thursday night Got to look at their first round pick who's had his first drive when I think it was five for five, 67 yards passing and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you look at that as a great drive, great stats, but you're not looking at a quarterback going against starters. You're pretty much just getting him accustomed to the speed of the game. Because it's a little bit different than the way it is in college. Right, right. So we, as commentators and analysts for watching preseason football, you can't put stock into everything because a team can go 0-4 in the preseason and then go 12-4, and 11-5 regular season. And you're going to look at that and you'd be like, damn, that preseason was horrible. But we kicked ass in the regular season. Right. So you kind of got to look at it that way. And 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 if you think about it, the most important preseason game is the third one. Because the third one is always your dress rehearsal. That's where your, your players, your starters are going to play a quarter and a half, if not the whole first half. And then you'll bring in your second string in the third quarter. And then you'll bring in your third string or, or in, in the other strings in the fourth quarter because in the fourth preseason game, no starters play. That's pretty much guys that are trying to finally get those final few spots. 
none of your starters are going to play before the season starts. So that third game is the most important game. This game is to get you, like you said, to get accustomed, get your feet wet. It's been a while. You know, now we're facing live action. The second court, the second preseason game is where it's like, okay, we're going to now start to swim a little bit. And then the third one is now we're going to swim to the deep end and back by playing most of your starters. So, um, but with, with, with Daniel Jones, though, I was kind of impressed with him. You know, I know it's, you know, uh, he probably didn't play against the first string starters, but his throws down the field were crisp. They were on time. They were accurate. So, and, and uh, you know, I previewed the NFC East on the, uh, Mac and Black on Saturday, and w- Mac and myself both think that the leash on Eli might be insanely short, especially if Daniel Jones continues to impress. But we'll see how the rest of the preseason goes, and then we'll see how those first four games against the Giants go. But I think we might see Daniel Jones at some point in the season. Well, again, this is why I, I did a live on my Facebook about this. And I've mentioned it on a few other shows that Giants fans were up in arms. They were like, oh, yeah, we, we, we wasted a draft pick on this guy. He should have gone in like the third round or later in the first round or whatever. This pick may be one of those ones that comes back and kicks Giants fans right in the ass for Gettleman maybe actually breaking the mold and saying, hey, you know what? This guy may not be there by the end of the first round. Mm-hmm. Maybe he wasn't bullshitting people. Maybe other GMs were telling everybody, oh, we're going to make Gettleman look like an asshole for making this pick. And he turns out to be something. Because right. let's, let's be honest, not every first round draft pick as a quarterback in NFL history has worked out. Right. That's true. That's true. And look at it like this. If you are going to put some stock in the preseason, maybe the Giants don't look so stupid because the guy that the Redskins drafted, Dwayne Haskins, either he really looked like crap or the Cleveland Browns defense is really that good. And I think it's a mixture of both. But Dwayne Haskins did not look really that good in that game against against the Cleveland Browns. Meanwhile, you have Daniel Jones that came out and had a perfect game and a touchdown throw while Haskins threw two picks. And one of them was absolutely terrible. One of them I don't think was his fault. The other one, Dwayne Haskins didn't have a red skin within 10 yards of where he threw that football. So... Maybe the maybe you're right. I think you're right because I think that if 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 uh, if uh, Gettleman would have done what the Giant fans wanted to, which was draft uh, Jake Allen and then get Daniel Jones later, he may not have been there because I think Washington would have traded up above the Giants to get Daniel Jones, and then the Giants have to settle with Haskins, and then they would have really been bitching. So I'm with you where I think Gettleman may have been like, look, I know what I'm doing, believe it or not, trust the process, and here you go. But now, but but again, don't put all the free stock into preseason as of yet. This is getting undrafted free agents, rookies out of college, 
regular free agents back into the mold of things. Mm-hmm. But I got to tell you at this point, maybe, just maybe, uh, I'm not saying this. I'm not a Giants fan. Let's not get this all messed up. But let's say at this point that the Giants coaching staff may actually be, be I don't know, two steps ahead of maybe the Redskins for coaching. Oh, easily. Easily. Because Jay Gruden is a freaking idiot. That's why. Dude, I don't want to keep snapping off on the Washington Redskins, but I cannot stand their asses. And Jay Gruden is actually the odds-on favorite to be in the first coach fired. And if he does, I'm drinking in celebration because he's a freaking idiot. And it's funny that we kind of Roll this whole topic in. Uh, I did find this article on MSN with the list of the top 10 coaches on the hot seat. And Gruden is in at three to one odds. <laughs> so if you lay money, you make 300 plus on, yes. the, uh, on, on the on the bets, on the odds. Uh, Shermer is next at seven to one. Uh, plus 700 for those betting people. Patricia, who's only entering season two in Detroit, uh, 10 to 1 odds. A surprising name, Bill O'Brien at 14 to 1. Uh, that's plus 1400. Uh, yeah. At 27 to 2. Who's at 27 to 2? Dan Quinn of the Atlanta Falcons. Okay. Uh, Doug Marone of the Jaguars at 16 to 1. Uh, Mike Zimmer of the Vikings at 18 to 1. Adam Gase, who hasn't even coached a full season yet. <laughs> 20 to 1 odds. I would actually lay money on that. Brian Flores of the Dolphins, again, coached not even um, three months of the season yet. Is at twenty to one, and, and and a very surprise name on this list, Jason Garrett of the Cowboys, again at twenty to one odds, laying plus two hundred two thousand. Sorry, you know what? Let me say this. I think I think of those names that you that you mentioned. The two that stick out to me is Jay Gruden, as we mentioned, and I think Bill O'Brien is a very interesting case because the thing with Bill O'Brien is I feel Houston should be better than maybe than what they are. But Bill O'Brien is, is getting the benefit of the doubt because <clears throat> the one year that they – when didn't they beat, got beat by the Patriots in either it was the AFC uh, divisional round or it was the AFC title game was when they had like TJ Yates as their quarterback who freaking sucks. Then last year you go down with the or two years ago, Deshaun Watson goes down with the ACL injury. So I think if I had $200, I would definitely put a hundred down on, uh, what's his name on Jay Gruden, but I might put a hundred down on 14 to one with Bill O'Brien, because how long is the leash going to be? You know, you got Jadavion Clowney 
who may not even be in a Texans uniform by the time the season even starts. And then you get J.J. Watt, who, don't get me wrong, is a really good defensive player. But can we start maybe throwing that O word around J.J. Watt? Because when is the last time J.J. Watt has played a full 16-game season in the last four years? Every time you look up, was it last year? He played the full 16 Okay, so then that's but that was like the first time it was in like three, four years, because I know one year he went down with a leg injury. I think another year he went down with a leg injury. So so going up into last year, he played a full 16 games, but the Texans have kind of been mediocre. So when when do the excuses for Bill O'Brien stop? I think it's going to be this year. Houston does not somehow win the South or make it to at least the AFC title game, I don't see him with the job anymore. Well, just go to some of the comments that we have here. Moses, we will be getting to the Chargers at uh, a point of the show. And my good friend, Antonio Medina, said, I'd lose if I put a bet on Adam Gase getting fired after one year. I will touch on the Adam Gase thing. Mm -hmm. And a lot. And I mean a lot of news stories are going around. First off, he did not want Le'Veon Bell as his running back. That's true. It's well known throughout the NFL. So already the pieces that Gase was given, he's not happy with. Mm -hmm. All right. The Jets right now, if they were running under a really great coaching staff would probably be maybe a 500 team. They don't have all the talent in the world. They don't have any world beaters on their team, really. And if you're already not happy with the pieces that were given to you, who says the relationship between coach and GM are really going to be really great? Let's let's really be honest with this. I'm pretty sure Adam Gase probably would have liked to have the same role that Belichick has in New England with the fact being is he gets control, gets to be able to pick the players he wants and be able to say, you know what? I need to do this move, so I'm going to roll this and I'm going to make it work with whatever I'm going to get. Right. Yeah, you know what? I... I I agree with you to an extent. I do feel that there are some where I disagree with you with is the fact that, excuse me, that they don't have all the talent in the world. I think Sam Darnold could end up being the best quarterback out of this draft. I think that the Jets lucked into getting him because I really think the Giants should have drafted him. But that's another uh, uh, discussion for another day. But for what it's worth, as much as Adam Gates doesn't like Le'Veon Bell, Le'Veon Bell is a cut above what they had. So I think the GM was looking at talent more than fit. But where I do agree with you on talent, wide receiver-wise, they're a mess. Offensive line, they're trying to fix it. But I really think that they have some really good pieces defensively. I think that um, Leonard Williams is going to be a stud. Jamal Adams is a stud. Um, They also got um, C.J. Mosley's back there. He's a stud. You still got Leonard Williams, who's a stud. So that's a question. No, go ahead. 
What is Mosley is a question mark. Okay, toward the end of his tenure in Baltimore, he became a rebel. This team here does not have any talent at wideout whatsoever. None, none. I'm with okay? you on that. And Anunwa going into the season is already hurt. Yep. You're not going to be sitting there throwing the ball to Robbie Anderson every down. He's got to go downfield. So that's right. gone. They really have no tight end, not even a top 15 caliber tight end. Granted, you've got a running back who catches the ball out of the backfield. What line is blocking for him? Yeah. We, no, we've had discussion on, on the Bear Cave and Mac and Black about the situation where running backs, for example, which was a big argument, Barry Sanders, who had no offensive line and right. had to create everything on his own. Le'Veon Bell is coming from a top 10 offensive line in Pittsburgh that right. opened everything for him. Right. So you're, let's, I'm, again, I'm not beating the dead horse on this, but the talent level is not there. The comment in the screen was 10 and 6. On the Jets? That's what the comment was in the, on the, in the comment section. 10 and 6. I don't give them anything more. And I'm saying this as an analyst, not as a fan. Right. Okay? 7 and 9. No, that's, I think that's where I had the Jets at, too. I actually had the Bills having a better season than the Jets this year. So, yeah, 10 and 6 for the Jets is insane. Um... They'll be better than they were last year, but not ten wins better than they were. Not not this team won't be a ten win team better than last year. There's no I don't see it. I'm with you on the seven and nine. I think that's why I had I had the Dolphins last, Jets, Bills, and then Patriots. So Antonio, I don't know what paper you've been reading, but I'll tell you right now, they don't have a ten and six team on paper. No, no, no they don't. No. no, they don't. Because I, I, I kind of roll this back again. I go back to the Sanchez days Bust. where they had three quality wide receivers. They had a good tight end. They had a great running game. Their defense was amazing. Okay, their quarterback wasn't that great. But there was actually talent on the team to support that quarterback. If you have no offensive line, it's pretty much revolving the door back to the Giants. No no offensive line. Your quarterback's going to get pummeled. And yeah. unless you have a really good running back that's going to create shit, I'm sorry. I see at least 50 sacks this year. You're going to give up 50 sacks? Damn. Yeah, dude. And But you know what? With the Giants, though, with the Giants... Saquon with the same huff ass line that the Giants have did make some noise last year. So, you know, you gotta give you gotta give credit where credit is due. But the question, the question with the Giants though, is which quarterback are you finna get are you gonna let get pummeled out there? Are you gonna go ahead and say, Eli, I know it's been a great run. We beat Tom Brady twice. You got two rings. Here's your last hurrah. I'm going to need you to go 16 games with this huff-ass line. And if you die, you die. 
or do you pummel the confidence of your young quarterback and Daniel Jones and be like, look, I'm saving uh, Eli's life. You're the younger one. You can take better hits. You're going to have to take the L's. It's going to be interesting to see uh, where the Giants coaching staff goes from there. Because you're right, the Giants, not only do they have no line, but then the Giants didn't even improve their offensive line. So that's almost a double whammy on top of that. All right, so Antonio said we could challenge him on running down the the Jets schedule. I love doing this. Even with the preseason rosters. Okay? Okay. Let's forget the next three weeks of preseason football and the okay. Jets go in with whatever they have. Okay. All right. Week one, Buffalo. Where that's that's uh let me know where the game is at. I believe here. Let's see. All right. It's a home game in MetLife against the Buffalo Bills. Uh I'll take the Bills. I think the Bills got a lot better than they were last year. Oh, hell of a lot better. Thank you. See, this is why we do the show. This is why we do the show, because I'm on the same page you are. And that them drafting Ed Oliver, bro, beast. That was a great pick. I'm with you on that. But they also added weapons at wideout, weapons on the offensive line, weapons on the defensive line. Yeah. Okay. Secondary. I'd say it was only upgraded maybe 50%. Nothing fantastic. Right. No, I'm with you on that. Then, week two, Cleveland comes into MetLife. I think that's an L, too. Cleveland is so much better than they were last year, and their defense is so much more improved than it was last year. I easily would take Cleveland over the Jets. Well, I, I'm also seeing that the fact being is Cleveland, in the matter of pretty much one offseason, maybe actually, you know what? Well, and some of the pieces are from last year. Wide receivers, probably a top five core in the NFL. Oh, easily. Jarvis Landry, Odell, throw in, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, the tight end, Njoku. Nick Chubb really snapped off last year. The line is really good. Now, mind you, this is with this technically week two is the second game of Kareem Hunt's suspension. Right. Okay. So that's right off the bat there. Okay. So in my mind, I possibly have the Jets at 0 2. Yeah. Start. Yep. Which never goes well for a freaking team. In the beginning of the season. No. Okay. Antonio says he's got them at 2-0. and uh, Look, I, I could maybe give you the Bills, but since I have the Bills playing really well this year, I'm not. The Jets will not be Cleveland in New York. No way. No way. We move to week three. Division matchup. New England Patriots. Yeah, that's a hell. Foxborough. That's an L, so so we got them at 0-3. I technically would have them at 0-3 right now. Okay. We in the same boat. We in the same boat. Week four, they're off. 
That's another the L. Race. They I'm got a week off in week four with 13 more weeks after that that they have to play straight. Okay? Hey, does Antonio have the, the Patriots beating the Jets? I mean, the Jets beating the Patriots in week three? No, he says that's an L. Okay, so all right. So that's a two and one. All right, we got him at 0 and 3. Okay. All right. Week five at Philly. That's an L. At Philly. Dude, that, that is an L. Again, they don't have enough talent and they have a tough schedule because right after they go to Philly, they come home and play Dallas. You said they got Dallas next? After Philly. And that's that's what? In the big house? I mean, in the big D or whatever? Oh, that's in MetLife. That's in MetLife? So up to up to the Philly game, he's got them at two and two. Okay. Okay. Uh, Dallas, unless Zeke is playing. Yeah. I would say maybe the Jets have a chance. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So I, in my opinion, for week six, we have them at one and four. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll roll with you on that one. I'll roll right. with you on that one. Week seven, which might be a game that Melissa might freaking surprise me again this year, is the Pats going to MetLife? That's an L because the Patriots always play the Jets well. So that's a, that's an L for the Jets. All right. So through six games, in our opinion, we've got them at one in five. <laughs> okay. I'm waiting for Antonio to come up with the answer to this Pats game because technically right now, after that, da- after uh, Dallas, they're two and three. Okay. He says he's picking them to beat the Patriots. All right. Then they go on the Florida trip and have. Jacksonville and Miami back to back. That's at home? No, on the road. Oh, that's on the road? Okay. One game in Jacksonville and one in Miami. I'm going to give them the L in Jacksonville, but I think they take the Dolphins because I don't think the Dolphins are going to be that good this year. I totally agree on that one. So... Let's see, nine games with a week off. That's what, two and six? Okay, just leave it. Yeah, two two and and six. six. We got them at two and six, yep. Then it's the battle of the bullshit back in MetLife. They play the Giants in the regular season. So this one here is a toss-up. It is a toss-up. I don't know which way I'd really really go with this one. Mm-hmm. As an analyst, I probably would say the Jets may have the advantage. And that's against who? The Giants. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm, I'm going to give them the win against the Giants. I'll give them the win. 
All right. So three and six. Three and six. He's got them currently at six and three. Jesus. Give me a <laughs> Okay. 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 Fair enough. <laughs> then week eleven, they travel down to Washington. That's a that's a that's a W for the Jets. The Redskins suck my balls. That's a that's a W for the Jets. All right. Then they go to Oakland. Uh, they have Oakland coming in. Sorry, at MetLife in Week Twelve. I don't know, dude. Oakland's very. I think Oakland's better than people give them credit. I'll give Oakland a win. So that's an L for the. That's an L for the Jets. Uh, no. No. The Raiders have done a ton this offseason. They drafted well. Yeah, they did. They had a lot of top free agent signings. Yep. The question is Antonio Brown. But we got him coming up in the show. Okay. I'm going, I'm going Raiders on this one. Alex, so am I. if you hear this, I'm actually sticking up for your team for fucking once. I don't want to hear <laughs> shit. All right. So four and eight. Yeah, we got him at four and, four and seven eight. At this point. It's four and eight or four and seven. Yeah. Cincinnati sucks. Yeah, they suck balls. So if the Jets don't beat them, that's five wins. Okay. Miami week 14, six And that's at home run. Right, that's six. Okay. Okay. And then Antonio doesn't really want to know the rest of the schedule. Week 15 at Baltimore. L. Week 16 against the Steelers. L. Finish the season, Buffalo. L. Six wins. So we got him at six and ten. Yep. All right. Six, ten, seven, and nine. Yeah. All right. And what does what does Antonio have him at after we finish the? Uh... Um, I know the comments are behind. Okay. But he so far has them. I don't know where in his deluded mind he's got ten wins. <laughs> oh snap! There's no way, dude. I'm not. Killing you as a fan for wanting to, your team to win, but I'm saying numbers wise, going into this season, the Jets are a fourth place team, if not a third. If not a third, I think Miami's worse. I really do. I think that situation may be a lot different than everybody f- sees it as, but again, Miami's rebuilding. So you never know. Right. I'm not going to listen. Everybody dogged Cleveland last year. Everybody dogged the bears last year because they had two shit years before that. I bet Alex and Derek last year, the bears would have seven plus wins for their season. And they went to the playoffs. Yep. So I'm, no, the schedule does not favor them. How does the schedule favor you guys? You end the season with Pittsburgh and Baltimore. You play the entire NFC East. Jacksonville is not a cakewalk. 
It's not. Because it's not Bortles anymore. It's Nick Foles. But you know what? In fairness with Jacksonville, though, Nick Foles to me is still a question mark because I understand that Nick Foles has piggybacked on – how do I put it like this? As a starter, as a full 16-game starter, whether he was with the Rams or wherever he started at, like Nick Foles kind of wasn't really that good, you know? But – you know, he rolled the wave to the Super Bowl with the Eagles. He rolled the wave to the divisional round against the Saints last year. So are we going to see the Super Bowl Nick Foles or are we going to see the St. Louis Rams Nick Foles? That question remains to be answered, but he is definitely an upgrade to kind of what Blake Bortles was because Blake Bortles not only lost confidence in the team, I felt like he lost confidence in himself. I think it's more of the other way around. They lost confidence in him. Yeah. Because he started making stupid mistakes. Yeah, that's true. That's and true. it goes back to the deflation of them losing to the Pats in the AFC Championship game. Yeah. You get a loss like that, that affects you forever. Okay, but then let and me I'm say this too. I'm not saying well, as a loss okay. to the Pats. Mm-hmm. I'm saying... A loss like that in the AFC Championship game, your team is never the same the year after. Okay, true. But let me say this. Some of that, some of Blake Bortles' issues, in my opinion, wasn't necessarily Blake Bortles. What was the one key factor in that Jaguars run for them to to be almost two quarters away from the Super Bowl? It was Leonard Fournette. The one thing that they stopped doing in order for them to win games was they stopped giving the ball to Leonard Fournette because Leonard Fournette killed Pittsburgh in two of those games that year. And then if you go into last year, last year, Leonard Fournette's lucky he's even in a Jaguars uniform because Tom Coughlin wanted to trade his ass because he called him lazy multiple times called Leonard Fournette lazy. And I think that once they knew that Jacksonville couldn't run the football, they then ultimately knew that Blake Bortles couldn't throw the football. And I think that's what led to his demise. Because if if, if Leonard Fournette had the same year last year as he did the year before, I think that they end up, uh, I don't think Blake Bortles is is, uh, not out of Jacksonville. I still think he's the starting quarterback. Because him being as much as a monster as he was, Kind of, kind of covered up the issues that was with Blake Bortles. If Bortles was that great, he wouldn't have signed a one-year deal with the Rams. That's a big point. If Bortles was supposed to be there, Jacksonville would re-sign him and possibly maybe had a quarterback battle by bringing Foles in. Because mm-hmm. at this point, Foles is a very viable option as a backup. But right. it may have pushed Bortles, though, and then Foles could have been a trade. You never know. Yeah, you never well, know. You're right, though. But I'll tell you, though, at this point, Antonio, for you to tell me all the teams have young quarterbacks, yeah, that's great and all. I right, see you later, okay? All right. But I'm going to turn around and tell you, Darnold, this is his second year? Second year, yeah. Okay. 
So let's look at all of the quarterbacks that are going into their second year. Okay. Uh, Baker Mayfield. Um, I'm kind of liking that quarterback. I am too. I, I think he did a really great job last year. A little cocky. I'll give him the cocky part, but I give him that. Uh, Allen out of Buffalo showed some stuff. I, I give him some credit. If he had more weapons, I probably would think he'd be better off. Hmm. I don't know. Arizona just completely sucked last year. So. Oh, they did, and and it didn't help. It didn't help that two things were out of the favor of Arizona. A, uh, they didn't have a good offensive line. Their offensive line was garbage, okay? And then B, with their offensive line being garbage, Josh Rosen, I don't think, really was able to shine the way that people think. Because there's a lot of people that still think that Josh Rosen is the best quarterback of this class. And he might be. But he didn't show it in Arizona because they were so bad. And now you're going to have to try and beat Brian Fitzpatrick down in Miami this year, too. So, But, yeah, dude, outside of an aging Larry Fitzgerald, he had no wide receivers. And then you got to remember David Johnson was coming off of a, a season where he had season-ending, what was it, shoulder or neck injury or something like that. So, yeah, so I think Josh Rosen got an unfair shake last year in Arizona. But you know what, though? It, like He brings up Lamar Jackson. That's a question mark, okay? Because they simplified the playbook for him. True. They installed a college playbook. For him to use a lot of that stuff was quarterback option, which in a way you see guys running around right now. But once the book comes out on you, you got the film and everything, college and pro, dude, not for nothing, unless Lamar Jackson learns how to pass from the pocket, he's fucked. There's I, okay. I half agree with you with that statement because Russell Wilson can barely stay five seconds in the pocket himself, and he's a pretty decent quarterback himself. Yes, but he's seasoned. Seasoned. Ah, true, true, okay. true, true, true. Been in the NFL for a while. I see. I'm. I'm not saying this for to happen. I, I don't. I'm not threatening the poor bastard that it's going to happen. He's one injury away from becoming RG3. You're right. No, you're right. You are absolutely right. And that's where I even will bring Mahomes into the conversation as well. Okay? Football is a very rough sport. Yep. Right off the bat. Yep. One injury turns your career around. True. You blow your knee out. Are you going to be running around in the pocket anymore? I don't think so. No. Because as many people want to argue about it, the RG3 situation, okay, that's the problem. Mobile quarterbacks are great as long as they don't get hit. And that can kill everything. Yes, 
Lamar Jackson got them to the to the playoffs last year or on the verge of the playoffs or whatever, it's all fine and great. But all it takes is a hard-hitting safety, a corner, a linebacker, even a lineman to roll up the back of his leg, and he ain't running around no more. Right. So I could he had the stretch of the five and six games or whatever while Flacco was out or they put him on the bench, but I'm still not putting all my money on him either. Right. If he was available in a draft, I'm not picking him. Yeah, and you know, and the thing is, the thing is with with Lamar was that we didn't see Lamar towards the end of that playoff game against the Chargers showed he could throw the football. The man can throw the ball. Like Lamar, like let's let's contrary to to what people might want to think, Lamar Jackson actually wasn't that bad of a passer in Louisville. Everyone looked at him as being an option quarterback because that's what he killed at. Remember the year that he won the Heisman, he had almost the same amount of throwing passes as he did rushing passes, which is damn near unheard of. So I so Lamar can throw. It's how much faith does the um how much faith do the Baltimore Ravens have in him to throw the football? Because remember, they drafted Marquise Brown. And Marquise Brown, who's the cousin of Antonio Brown, can play wide receiver. He's a really good wide receiver coming out. So how are you going to get him the football? Time will tell. I'm not saying Lamar Jackson can't throw. I'm just saying we haven't seen him because he was so successful running the ball last year. You almost didn't need him to throw. But the point is, is definitely keeping him in the pocket. Because if you keep him in the pocket, he's going to be a lot safer than running around, running for first downs, trying to make plays. It's going to catch up to him eventually. And that's and where I feel it's usually a problem. True. Now you're right about that, because that's what happened with Donovan McNabb. Donovan McNabb, I'm not saying, Donovan McNabb technically was a pocket passer who could run. But the minute that he had his ankle rolled up on and it snapped on him, and that's the year the Bucks went to the Super Bowl, and he tried to come back on that ankle, and you could tell that he wasn't really that comfortable running on it, Donovan McNabb's career after that really wasn't the same because they made him just a pure pocket passer and the mistakes, and then, you know, he ends up in Minnesota and Washington and all these other various teams. So you, you're, you're, you're right about that, that one injury – could turn him into an RG3 or could turn him into a Donovan McNabb. And believe it or not, you can go a little bit earlier than that. How about Randall Cunningham? Yep. Another one. That's another, another one. Again, if that was a guy that I really enjoyed watching as a kid and a teenager mm-hmm. was Cunningham. Right. And there were a few times he got clipped and he couldn't leave the pocket. He was a sitting right. duck. So right. again, there are a lot of second-year guys coming out. Time will tell. But in certain situations, i.e. Miami, you put a great quarterback in another shit situation. That's not good. It's not yeah, good. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I hear you on so. that. But then think of but then of other the other second-year quarterbacks, we mentioned Darno, we mentioned Rosen, we mentioned Lamar. We mentioned Baker, but I think me personally, and I don't know why I'm so high on him, 
But I think Jake Allen might have the better year out of all of them. And that's saying a lot with what Baker Mayfield has and, and what the weapons they put around um, Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. The only thing that Jake Allen needs, in my opinion, is for the offensive line to give him more protection. If they give him four or five more seconds to scan and throw the ball, I'm telling you, Jake Allen's about to be that dude because he can run. He's got a cannon of an arm. It's accurate enough for him to make good throws. And as you mentioned earlier, they definitely gave him because Cole Beasley is with um, is with Buffalo now. Zay Jones was with Buffalo last year, and now he's in his second year, and he's going to be really good. And then you put a defense around um, Jake Allen to where they're going to be good. I think Jake Allen might actually have the better numbers of all the second-year quarterbacks that are coming out next year. Well, let's let's not throw Baker in the backfield there. I'll be honest with you on that. Let's not throw Baker back there because he's going to have a fucking amazing freaking throwing year. I'll give him that. So. Oh yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not saying. I, like I said, I'm not saying that that you know Baker Mayfield's going to suck. It's just for some reason I'm so fix, fixated on Jake Allen. I'm not sure why, but I think this man has he has what it takes to be so much better this year. And I think Buffalo really put him in a good position to where okay, yeah, we they made some they made some adjustments on the offensive line like this year because last year. He could throw, but the man couldn't stay in the pocket for more than two freaking seconds. This year could be different. If it does improve, I think we're going to see some of the best out of Jake Allen. I really do. So I would put, I would put probably just in my own personal opinion, I would put Jake Allen 1A, Baker Mayfield 1B, then it's Darno, then it's going to be Lamar Jackson, and then you're looking at Josh Rosen. Only because of all of those quarterbacks I just mentioned. Josh Rosen's the only one that's not really guaranteed a starting job. Yeah. That's it's kind of crazy if you think about it. It is. It really is. All right. Um, what did you want to say about Antonio Brown? I know you want to talk about that. All right. So this year, the NFL in state, they, they put this in stated thing that nobody is allowed to wear the original style helmet right okay and part of that issue is the way that the cushioning is in the crown of the helmet that it does not go against the standards for concussion protocol um the cte stuff the whole mm-hmm. the whole protocol thing is just weirded out right so now a lot of people have to wear the evo helmets which have that crash guard, the alarm in the front. And a lot of players don't like it. Right. So now Antonio Brown over the weekend said part of the reason why he's not playing is not his cryogenically frozen foot. It's the reason that he does not like the helmet. He filed a appeal for the helmet. And as of today, he lost the appeal. So there was an article that said if he had potentially lost the appeal, he'd retire. 
would not play another down of football in the NFL. Your your comments on that? Yeah, I don't know, dude. I mean, it's like I get what he's saying, but at the same time, the NFL has to protect, you know, the players here. And we're in a position right now where concussions are so important and the concussion protocol is so important, in, you know, where you don't want these guys' brains rattling around like eggs in their head. And then you get the junior Seau situation and some of these other concussion situations. Um, I, I understand where Antonio Brown is coming from, where this is the helmet that I've played with. This is the helmet that I'm comfortable with. This is the helmet that I should be playing with. I haven't personally got a concussion out of it, this, that, and everything else, and that's fine. But at the same time, the NFL has to protect themselves with making better helmets for these players. So they're going to have to figure something out. Personally, I don't think that Antonio Brown should miss any games of the season because of the helmet issue. I personally think, you know, that, you know, it's one of them where you get paid millions of dollars to play the game. You're going to have to man up and you're, it's, it's all about making adjustments. You know, I mean, we've seen many a times like if you, you know, not to go off sports, but if you look at baseball and they're talking about the juice balls, you know, pitchers complain about them, but they got to make adjustments into throwing them. Same thing in football where you're going to probably wear some equipment that's not comfortable. You're probably going to wear uh, a helmet that's not comfortable. You got to make adjustments to it because the NFL can't keep going off with these lawsuits about, well, the concussion protocol and what you did know and did know NFL's not trying to deal with that. So I think Antonio Brown at this, at this point, look, man, just make adjustments on the, on the, uh, on the helmet and get out there and start playing. See, that's exactly pretty much the same thing I said when I read the article. All right. So we're at that point. Um, we do thank everybody you tuned in to watch. Uh, and we do thank everybody that's going to tune in and listen to this on iHeart, Spotify, Spreaker, um, Apple Podcasts. It'll be there too. Um, hopefully, at some time this preseason, we will have our full cast, our full yes, starting sir. lineup. Because once the regular season comes, that's full board. Nasty. Full board. Yes, sir. So. Until next Tuesday, Nick, any final words? Yes. Uh, go Bucks and uh, the Jets are six and ten. They're six and ten this year. Anyone thinking the Jets are ten and six is either a homer or smoke crack. And I hope you're not smoking crack. Well, I guarantee you, we hope that it's not that. <laughs> but till next week, we'll catch you guys later. Yes, uh.